Hello and welcome to this episode of the Active Training Team podcast. I'm Adam Christopher, one of the directors at ATT. It's a busy period for us and the team at the moment. We've a variety of different projects on the go and for the last five weeks I've been based up in Huddersfield, West Yorkshire. We've been in the final stages of setting up Trust, our new safety leadership centre. It's for the Transpennine Route Upgrade, the multi-billion pound transformative infrastructure long-term rail programme improving connectivity in the north of England. I'd say it's our most ambitious and exciting venture so far. It opened last week and I'm delighted to tell you the response of those who've experienced it so far has been fantastic. Over the years, I've done a few things like this, and it's probably one of the best things I've ever done. It's a real eye-opener. Not what I expected. Probably the best training I've actually ever been on, which is amazing. For those not familiar with our work, you might be wondering what our safety leadership centres are. In a nutshell, they're purpose-built, site-specific, promenade theatre, multimedia spaces. Yeah, a bit of a mouthful, even if I do say so myself. They're designed to help people understand how and why accidents at work should and could be avoided. The day is participatory from the off. People are active mentally, emotionally and physically the moment they enter the space. It's pretty difficult not to be involved. Today has been a brilliant day, really engaging. And at three o'clock, I'm still excited to see what's coming up next. This episode is about the psychology of our immersive training sessions. We call it active learning and believe it helps bring about long-term behavioural change. Now this is going to be a bit sciencey, but I love it because it explains why drama and participation are really effective ways to learn and retain vital information. So let me introduce you to someone who is far more qualified than me to speak about this. My name is Natasha Sigala. I'm a senior lecturer in neuroscience and I work at the Brighton and Sussex Medical School at the University of Sussex. Dr. Natasha Sigala was kind enough to spend time getting familiar with our work. She tells us why active learning is so effective. And I think we've known for thousands of years that when you are more immersed into something, you're more likely to learn better and retain that ability for a longer period of time. Learning in an immersive environment where you engage more of your brain, essentially, is, is not new. And people have always learned, and animals as well, from imitation. Looking at something, trying to do it, trial and error, until you actually do it, rather than being told. That's what I mean by the idea of active learning, taking part and actually practicing a skill. What is there that tells us that this has been this form of active learning, whether it's storytelling or the like, has been around for so long? The earliest things we have in terms of records passed on are poems about victories and battles and things that define a community or a tribe or a nation, this kind of shared memory and shared identity and how it immediately creates that sense of, yes, I understand that, I can interpret it, I can imagine those people being in that environment doing this kind of activity. 
In order to understand how we use our memory recall, we need to know how the brain collects, retains and recalls memories. Natasha explained large parts of our brain are devoted to interpreting visual and auditory data. But what about the bit that works on remembering these experiences, the sensory cortex? So what the sensory cortex does when the information is coming through, it's trying to encode in a language that the brain can understand and store for future use. So you create those memory traces of that information that's no longer in the sensory part of the brain. It's in a different part of the brain. It's in the medial temporal lobe. And that's where this memory will tend to live for the rest of your life. And those memory traces then can be activated at random times, not only when you want to, perhaps during your dreams or when you're mind wandering. And then you have these activations of the traces again. Once they are activated again, your sensory cortex, so the part of the brain that was active while experiencing in the first place, will also be activated. So that's a process called recapitulation. So you recapitulate the state of activation the brain had when you first experienced something, when you learned it, if you like, at a future point when you remember it, when it's a memory trace. And we know that when this experience contains emotion, it's much more vivid, it contains a lot more detail, and the reactivation of the memory trace is much more accurate, much more like the activation you had when you first experienced that particular thing. Gosh, so, it, it makes so much sense. It does, doesn't it, intuitively? But we want to know why that's important. What's the purpose of memory? It would be a useful thought experiment to imagine life without memory, always living in the present, not remembering who you are, where you are, what your goals are. It's hell. There are patients who have this condition and it's unbearable. So first of all, it helps us having memories, helps us create a sense of self, a sense of identity. So you create this narrative about your life, who you have been as a child, as a young person, and so on. Secondly, because it's extremely useful to learn from past experiences to determine how to behave in the present or in the future. So you learn how to use a particular device or a particular tool. You can use it again in the future or decide not to use it because it's not the right one in this particular moment. And thirdly, also, it's the idea that it creates a social bond and a sense of social belonging, that we're not alone in this life. We have our personal journey, but also we're part of something bigger and we share memories and experiences with people around us. It, it enables bonding, I guess, if we can share memories. Absolutely. Um, do you think this way of learning, immersive learning, action learning, is suited to a particular group of people? And if so, who and why? I think it's particularly useful for occupations where the stakes are very high, where there's a lot of risk involved. And if you look at which professions employ this type of immersive learning, it makes sense. You have pilots 
who do those flight simulations. You have surgeons and people who work in intensive care also using simulation astronauts who train in this very immersive environment, again, simulating weightlessness and so on for years before they are allowed to go to space. So it makes a lot of sense that in an industry like like yours, where the stakes are high and where you can have a horrible accidents and injuries to go along the same way. So I think wherever the stakes are high, it makes a lot of sense to have this kind of active learning procedures. One of the best remarks I hear from people participating in our programmes is that they found it useful and they've gained some skills. We've been thinking hard about how they retain the information they've learned so it can continue to benefit them, their colleagues, employers and loved ones. I wanted to know how they can recall the lessons they've learned. We know that these memory traces can remain healthier, stronger for longer if they are regularly reactivated. And also we know that it's better to reactivate the memory trace, not just in in a passive way, oh, I remember I saw that, but to remember it in a way that has a question in it. So, for example, who did I go with to watch that thing? Or what did they think of it? So trying to look at the same experience from different angles, if you like, sort of quizzing that memory trace, bringing it back in different ways, in a sort of a a questioning kind of way, definitely helps. Active remembering, if you like, rather than just active learning. I saw a show on Saturday at the National Theatre, and I've just got my daughter to go and see it because I want to talk to her about it. I want to hear what she thinks and what it meant to her. So why is that important to share that almost immediately after? It's this action of using a learning event to create a shared identity and and the social bonding with people we care about and we feel close to. Also, if it's something particularly enjoyable, reliving the, the pleasant experience makes you feel good again. So it has this kind of hedonic aspect to it, pleasurable aspect to it. It could be that you talk about some terrible shared event, a terrorist attack or an earthquake or something really devastating. Again, it helps you process it. It helps you feel closer to other people who also witnessed it. Talking about these things reactivates the memories, keeps them vivid, keeps them alive for longer. So it seems like talking about a tragic experience from different angles can help us to process it and remember things better. We're using theatre techniques and drama techniques to explore behaviour. At the beginning of the day, we'll start this story and you'll look and, and People aren't sure, and it's wonderfully observing the audience because a lot of them will be just looking at the table. They're frightened to make eye contact with any of the characters because it's very much in and around them. By the end of the day, you you look at those same people and they're in deep conversation with one of the characters, talking to them like they're their friend. There's a lot of evidence that if you have emotional content, that will be remembered much better, much more vividly, with more details, and for much longer compared to neutral information. But also, interestingly, neutral information will be remembered better if it's in an emotional context 
Of course, you don't want them to just remember the highly emotional point of the injury or the accident and the crying relatives, but you want them to remember the procedures and the skills to challenge the things that can prevent such things. And those will be remembered better because the emotional system has been aroused. Why is that? As a species, why why would we respond more to that? We don't exactly know. We suspect that because of the way the memory traces are stored in the brain, obviously they are vulnerable to decay. They're vulnerable to becoming weaker or to becoming more difficult to access. So the idea is that if we do access them regularly, if we do access them in slightly different ways, they become more resilient to this decay. So they are less likely to simply fade away or to be these isolated nuggets of information that can't really be associated with other relevant things. Gosh, I find it incredibly interesting uh, and thought-provoking. And actually, if I'm being honest, reassuring <laughs> that what we're doing, we're, we're, we're on the right path, I think, to helping people. Yes. That's right. Definitely. It's wonderful to be able to share this with, with someone that's, who studies it and, and sees this in action as well. My thanks to Dr. Natasha Sagala for helping to demystify the neurological implications of immersive learning. I'm really passionate about what we do at ATT. We know that using drama to build communication skills has a huge effect on people's behavior. And it's been fascinating to understand more about why this approach has such an impact. Thanks for listening to this podcast from ATT. There are more episodes available at activetrainingteam.co.uk, Spotify or iTunes. I'm Adam Christopher. Thanks to Sophie for her help with this episode. It's produced by Alexandra Quinn at Loftus Media. See you next time.